What I've been able to do the last several times to be able to study the Bible with you on a Wednesday night is to, to model what we do in our discipleship groups. We have small groups here. Uh, some people say Sunday school. Some people say, we, we've said connect groups for a long time. I still say it about every time. And we shifted the name this year to discipleship groups because we really want to portray what we're seeking to accomplish. We want our groups to be about making disciples, not, not just hanging out and not even just studying the Bible, but actually being accountable to one another and, and challenging one another and growing together and making disciples. And so uh, in our discipleship groups, we follow this process. Some people have called it the three-thirds process. You break your time up into thirds, looking back, looking up, and looking ahead. We've also begun to call it the heart, head, hands. Because to make healthy disciples, it's not just about knowledge. It's also about character. It's not just about knowing. It's also about obeying. Remember the Great Commission. Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And so when we talk about the heart that's talking about our character. When we talk about the head, that's talking about knowledge because we need knowledge, right? About what the Word of God teaches. And then we talk about the hands. That's obedience. Doing what God says. Some people say, no, be, do. So uh, that's kind of how we break up our time in our groups together. And then when we study the Bible, we don't want it just to be a lecture. We want it to be a study where everyone is contributing. And now you got a group. Just take an, any group off the, off the uh, roster. And you're going to have believers that have been walking with Jesus for decades. You might even have people that have been walking with Jesus for months. You might even have people, Lord willing, that's only been walking with Jesus for days. And we want a structure where everybody can contribute and bring something to the table. So we want our tools to be simple so that anybody can use them. Not just use them, but pass them down so that other people can use them too. And so we have a tool for Bible study. Some people call it the discovery Bible study tool. Some people call it the sword method. The Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. And it is something we can use for offense and for defense, right? When you're walking in your spiritual life. So the sword method is not an acronym, but it's a word picture. If I'm holding a sword and it's pointing up, it helps me to remember to ask the question, what, does, what do we learn about God? Man is holding the sword. What do we learn about man? On one side of the sword, is there a sin to avoid or what do we learn about sin? And then on the other side of the sword, is there an example to follow or a command to obey? And if we just read the passage, rebuild it together, and then kind of talk through those questions, from that passage, anybody can contribute. And we use the Word to keep us accountable to what it's teaching. And then everyone is not just participating, but everyone is practicing how they can study the Bible themselves and how they can also teach other disciples and new disciples how to study the Bible also. Y'all tracking with me? Simple, biblical, affordable, reproducible processes. All right? You guys have a sheet that was in your chair called the Say, Teach, Do. You see the picture of the sword by the say? That reminds us about the sword method. You see the four 
the four titles on the chart. What do we learn about God? What do we learn about man? What do we learn about sin? Is there examples to follow or commands to obey? You see these charts, these things. So as we study tonight, you guys are going to help me put the lesson together. We're going to do it together. Now, this is not the same as a small group Bible study, unless you're Mike Hanna. Uh, this is about the size of his small group. <laughs> but, uh, but this is a way that we can still practice how to do it. It's just not going to be as intimate. I like a group sitting in a circle where you can see each other and interact with each other. But, uh, but we're going to practice this tonight. And also another tool that I've been telling you all about and that we've been walking through together. We do this in our discipleship groups usually about once a year just to remind everybody what the seven commands of Christ are. Uh, it's a tool, okay? Jesus gave many commands in His ministry. But if you, stu- if you look at, at Acts chapter 2, right after Pentecost, when Peter preached the gospel and 3,000 people were saved and baptized and entered into the church. Right there, you get just a little snapshot, say from verses 38 to 42. You get a little snapshot, 47 maybe, hold on, 47, sorry. And you get a snapshot of, of what the early church was doing, what they looked like. You see, you see a representation of all these seven commands. Now, Jesus, before he went back to heaven, told his apostles and disciples to go and make disciples. And he told them to teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And early on, as soon as people came to faith, you see these things being done in the early church. So, what do we need to make sure we know as the foundation for our discipleship? Those things that the early church was doing first. And what do we need to make sure we teach new believers so that they can begin to get on the right foot? These things that the early church was doing first. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's the seven commands. To repent and believe. Now in India, we used hand signs. Okay. We would say, repent. Like, see the little U-turn action going on? Repent and believe, which is like surrender. When you truly believe in Christ, you know what you do? You call Him Lord and you surrender to His Lordship. So repent and believe. And the next one is a symbol for baptism. Going down and coming up. Baptism. And then we have pray. This is prayer. And then we have... Now this one is tricky because nobody wears watches. Who's wearing a watch? Come on, good job. All right. It's because of Apple, people were wearing watches again. We got a lot of Apple watches out here. But what we would say is to go and make disciples. And this is a picture of the urgency. You know, time is running out. So go and make disciples. We would tell them that. I love that the phrase in Hindi is Jal Chale Banal. I just like the way that sounds. Um, so then after that is to, to love, to love, you can do a heart, to love God and to love others. We need to know that, right? To love God and love others. And then we got the Lord's Supper, picture of breaking the bread, breaking the bread. And then the last one is to give from the heart. <laughs> and we we would we would we would say give from the heart, not the shirt pocket, but from the heart. Because you know we can give without giving from the heart. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's not even giving begrudgingly, it's just giving routinely and it's not from the heart. But man, what an opportunity it is to worship Jesus when we give from the heart. And so we have studied through, I believe, 
almost all of these together on various Wednesday nights leading up to tonight. And the one we're going to look at tonight is Give from the Heart. Now, the, <clears throat> the way that these seven commands have been taught, it is to find a passage that actually illustrates the command that we're talking about. For instance, in Repent and Believe, kind of hard to illustrate that, but the story of Zacchaeus, remember? The wee little man that climbed up in the sycamore tree because he couldn't see Jesus. He wanted to see him. And he's described in the front part of that passage as short, but also as a rich chief tax collector. That's his description. And then we find out a little bit long, when Jesus calls him to come out of the tree and goes to his house with him, the crowd is grumbling because he is a known sinner. So he's, he's short, he's rich, he's a chief tax collector, he is a known sinner by the community, and by his own confession, he told Jesus, I'm going to give half of my goods to the did anybody of anything, I'll repay it four times. So you also see that he is somebody that was padding his pockets off the top and defrauding people from his position and abusing that position. So you see that as his description, but at the very end, you see he comes down from the tree, he calls Jesus Lord, and it says he received him gladly, and he said, I'm going to share half of what I have with the poor, and I'm going to pay, I'm going to make amends, I'm going to pay back four times if I have defrauded anybody of anything. You see a changed heart. And the, the, the command that we're illustrating is to repent, turn from our sin towards God, and have faith in Jesus. He called him Lord. And Jesus said, this man is also a son of Abraham. And he said, I have come to seek and to save those who were lost. So we studied that passage before already, but that illustrates repent and belief. The baptism one is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, immediately when the Ethiopian Ethiopian puts his trust in Christ. They stop the chariot. He's baptized. And so that's a picture. There's a lot of great stuff in that story. But one of the things we, we can draw out is, hey, we should be baptized uh, as new believers. Um, so then we got one on prayer. That's following the Lord's prayer. John 4, the woman at the well is a great illustration how God used her immediately to go into the city and tell everybody everything that Jesus had done. And the whole city comes out to hear for themselves and, and many believe in Jesus. And so she's a good illustration of someone who would not have been considered a good person. Somebody who had not been, would not be considered uh, an influential person. But somebody that God used mightily to bring many people to Jesus. So anyway, you get the picture, right? <clears throat> now, Tonight we'll be in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And the passage is a very familiar passage. We're illustrating giving from the heart by looking at what many people would call the widow's might. You remember the story? My, my translation, this is ESV, it says the widow's offering. By the way, I totally got... I got so, I was so eager to get started, I forgot to do our little prayer service. We'll, we'll wrap it up early and we'll do a little bit of prayer at the end. Um, but uh, in this passage, Jesus is using, this is not a parable. This is a real life uh, 
example of a faithful woman of God that Jesus is illustrating to his disciples. And so, let's just look. I love, I love how Jesus utilized teachable moments. Love how he did that. I think it's a great example for us as we try to raise our children or even pour into other uh, believers is to utilize those teachable moments. Look what he did. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Verse 41. <clears throat> and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. Let's pray real quick. Father, would you give us insight into your word? And as we answer these questions, Lord, I pray that you keep us on track. I pray that you would help us to have uh, a heart like this, this lady. God, thank you for her example of someone who gave from the heart. Lord, help us to be generous and to be glad and to be grateful. And Lord, would you convict us where we need conviction? Would you encourage us and strengthen us where we need encouragement and, and strength? And Lord, when we give, God, would it be with cheerful hearts? And would it be out of the overflow of our love for you? And God, would you help us to love others with your love? And, and, and God, just would you use this night to, to help us to, to be more like Christ? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so. It's good to rebuild the story, right? Um, this is a very small, small passage. How does it begin? What's going on? Tell me. Where's Jesus? All right, so he's sitting across from the treasury. What's he watching? Watching people put their money in. I don't want to go too far with that, but he is watching now. <laughs> now, who does he observe? There's, there's, there's two types of people described here. Many what? Many rich people putting in large sums. Now, if you're like me, then you're quick to excuse yourself and say, well, I'm not rich. <laughs> but let me remind you, compared to most of the world, we are extremely wealthy. And uh, I'll wait. Who else does he see? A poor widow. And what does she do? She did. What was it? What was what was what she gave? What is y'all's some of y'all's translations might say different things. 
Two mites. One penny. What else? Sorry? Two tiny coins. Mine's, sorry? Worth very little. Mine says two copper coins. All right? And what did Jesus do upon seeing this? I love that. I just, guys, don't miss it. He called his disciples to round him to utilize this teachable moment. And what did he say? Yeah, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Now, remember, you'll hear, you remember hearing Brother Wade every now and then talk about the upside down kingdom. The principles are God's kingdom. And I, in, our, in our earthly perspective, she did not do that at all. She only put in two, two little coins. But in God's economy, she put in more than everybody. Don't you love that? And so what did he say? He said, she put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Why? For what? For they what? Yeah. So what was everybody else? How did he describe it? They are contributing out of what? Abundance. But she gave all that she had to live on. Everything that she had. All right, so now we practice it. I'm going to get the offering box out. I want you to give me everything you got. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> it wouldn't be no problem. <laughs> All right, now. Now let's look at this, this passage, okay? Now, two things I want to preface, okay? There's not always an answer to every one of these questions in every passage, okay? So we don't, we don't have to stretch it. We don't have to do acrobats to make th something fit. If it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If you give an answer, then you need to give me a Bible verse that goes with it. And it doesn't need to be something from a different passage. It needs to be from this passage, okay? So that's how we're going to do this together and keep ourselves on track and in line with God's Word. And another thing that helps to remember is Jesus is God. So when we ask, what do we learn about God? Jesus counts, okay? So... What do you see in this passage? What do we learn about God? He's watchful. And you can just give very, like just Miss Jeannie said it very uh, well. I, I just put on here, Jesus watched people putting money into the offering box. You know, I, that's just right there. Uh, what verse is that? Verse 41. He was just sitting there watching, observing. Okay? He's watchful. What else do we see? Yes. So he was, he was utilizing teachable moments. He was teaching his disciples in this. That's a, that's a neat thing about, about Jesus. He did this all throughout his ministry. Most of his ministry was very simple examples of, of farming and, and shepherding and, and things like this. Fishing. Um, so he used that. What else do we see? He saw her heart. He noticed. Well, you know, let's back up just a second. He noticed her. He noticed her. 
He noticed the poor widow's offering and he pointed out her faithfulness to to his disciples. He knew her heart. Um, Anything else? He did. He did. And I don't, I don't think he was condemning them. I think he was pointing out, he was really celebrating her faithfulness. Um, I may be stretching this a little bit. Forgive me if I am being a bad example <laughs> to my methods. <laughs> but because of God's kingdom economy being different than ours, uh, we, I think we see an example. God, God doesn't need our wealth, but He desires our loving faithfulness. My, my buddy, Mr. Larry Logan says, God owns the cattle of a thousand hills and the taters in them hills. He don't, he don't need our money, but He desires our loving faithfulness. All right, well, anything else? What about man? We learn anything about mankind? Okay, so there were people there giving out of abundance. There's rich and poor. There was a lot of poverty in in Jerusalem then. Yes, ma'am? Could have been some show, showiness, some, some, yeah. Uh, somewhere else, Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is given. And, and I was reading a little commentary about this, and it talked about how there were these, it, was, it, was, it looked like, like some flowers, like some trumpets, like kind of flowers, that, and it was several different ones that you could drop the money into. Uh, so it could have been a showy thing. It definitely could have been. They they missed a lot, and 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 and, and le- lest we forget, we can be just like them. We better be careful because they sure missed a lot. All, all I mean, if you just look, even in the surrounding passages, they're constantly missing it. And and praise God, Jesus is so patient patient with us. Um, but yeah, it's very likely that they that they were thinking in more of a worldly way, um, and so. I don't know if this fits there, but I put it, it gets easy. It's easy to get caught up in, in just routine religious activity. I picture the hustle and bustle of people just coming and just doing what you do. And 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 forget the point of giving. It's not because God needs us to give. Um it's not as much about the amount. But it's about our obedience and faith. And by the way, all obedience has got to be coupled by faith. We're not, we're not serving God to earn His pleasure. We're not serving Him so He'll love us more. He doesn't love us less when we blow it. He's faithful even when we're not. But we serve Him, we obey Him out of faith. Because we believe He is who He says He is. And we, so, okay, 
I'm about to preach. Let's, let's back up. Uh, I would say, just thinking about this passage today, <clears throat> along the lines, I didn't know where to put it, so I'll put it with man, but Chris, I think it's similar to what you were bringing out, because on this earth, we live with this constant tension of being in a material world, but looking for an eternal kingdom. And there's this constant tension that we have to live within. And it's, I think it's illustrated here. You know, there's, there's this, this people giving out of wealth, and then there's this lady who gave out of poverty and gave all that she had. There's that, that, that tension of, of us living in that, in that in-between, in the in-between. Yeah. Amen. That's good. That's good. And we and help me say that again in just a minute. I'm not. I'm not. Well, well I know I can't. <laughs> but but in in the commands or examples, I think that that's a great example of humility. You're right. Now, what about sin? I don't know that there's an explicit sin pointed out. Okay. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and it's very, if, they're anything, if they were anything like I am, then it's possible that there was that sin of, of, of pride and, and show, showing, you know, showing off, um, look at, wanting to, to look spiritual. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about religious leaders doing that, praying on the street corners so everybody would, you know, be, be you know, respect them for their words. And what he said was they, they received their reward in full. If, if they're looking for the respect of man, that's all they're going to get because God knows their heart. Um, maybe even the sin of materialism. You know, we, we ah, I think probably in America, the two things we struggle with the most, the two idols, is materialism and comfort. They kind of go hand in hand. Man, we want to be comfortable, don't we? Ooh, we want to feel safe and comfortable and we want to have nice things. And guys, I'm not exempt. I got, I got, Megan and I joke about it all the time. Like you can go, we can look at a catalog without looking at any prices. We got good taste. When we find out what something costs, we're like, why do we always like the most expensive thing? So we got to be on guard against materialism. Uh, all right, so what, let's look at some commands to follow or maybe some examples. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, I, I saw that in the commentary too. That's good because he could have been actually illustrating with all this wealth and abundance, why is there such a poor needy widow that, that is not being cared for? 
Amen. That's likely. Very likely. Now, he doesn't point out their heart, but I do know that, that again, if they're anything like me. <laughs> That's right. No. Right. That's right. That's a good. And I, I do want to stick to that because we've got to be careful in a narrative passage not to get carried away. Well, and to be fair, Wayne, to stick along, it doesn't even say that he provided for her needs. You know, because I was reading the, the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 the other day. And there were two types of people that were exemplified for faith. Those who exercised faith and were delivered, and those who exercised faith and were sawn in two for being Christians. Sometimes you don't get delivered here. <laughs> uh, Mike, what were you going to say? <laughs> Come on. But in... in I don't think he was, but, but in, king, in God's kingdom economy, he's definitely pointing out that she was giving more. No, no right. She is sacrificially giving. Right, okay. right, right. All right, so now, let's, let's transition. Commands to follow or examples to follow. Um, you see anything? <laughs> Sacrificial giving. Um, and this is a, to me, it seems to be pointing to something greater than money, right? Is that pretty clear? She's given her life, everything she has, living by faith. Um, and I, I think it's a picture of her love for God, you know, where her where her treasure is, you seek. Come where her heart is, you know. Is her treasure is is giving to God. The widow showed her love for and her faith in God by giving all that she had. Um. And I just think it's so important to to be reminded that the value of her gift was not on a monetary amount. That wasn't where the value of her gift was. But it was in the sacrifice and the faithfulness in which she gave. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, amen. Well, Jesus had taught elsewhere, you know, Look, look at the birds in the air and the flowers of the field. And, and aren't you worth more? And doesn't God provide? Um, but you know, there's sometimes, maybe I'm the only one, where we tend to find security in our material things. And sometimes we even find our, our value in those things. And it's hard to let go of that. 
it's hard to exercise that, that extreme kind of a faith because those are the things that we find our, our value and, our, and our, our security in. But I feel like what, along your lines, she's, she's valuing and, and she's finding her security in God. Um, here's a simple one. We've talked about it already. Jesus used a teachable moment to disciple his followers. I think that's a great example for us to follow. You know? How often, riding down the road, do you have a chance to disciple your children? Or to disciple your grandchildren? How, or even just to, 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 on a daily journey, use a teachable moment for a disciple in your life, somebody you're pouring your life into. By the way, we are going to be discipling our children one way or another, right? Especially in the car. Y'all following me? I heard a, I think it was a comedian. She was, she was talking about how kids can embarrass us. And her, her uh, I think it was her daughter was going to like four-year-old kindergarten or something like that. And the teacher, it was kind of meet the teacher night. And the teacher asked the little girl if she could spell her name. And she spelled it. And she said, that is so good. Can you spell anything else? And the little kid said, B-L-I-N-K-E-R. <laughs> Y'all get that? <laughs> she was talking about how she'd get frustrated with people driving while she was driving. She didn't have a clue that her kid was listening, and she'd get she would say, she, "Use your blinker, B L I N K E R." And her little kid was in the back. She learned how to spell blinker. <laughs> they're watching and they're learning. That's way off track. Um, so, do you remember? Example of humility. How'd you say that? Yeah. 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 Um, I think that this this kind of a, a passage hits home in our society. Um, Megan and I were talking about this at lunch, actually. Um, there was a man that was a member here uh, that I, I, I really enjoyed studying the Bible with him years ago. He's, he's passed away now. He, he's not, he wasn't even old when he passed away. And uh, he was from out in Eudora. And he would invite people to church and they would say, Oh, that's that money church. You got to have money to go to that church. And he was like, I don't know what y'all talking about because I ain't got no money. And uh, they said, No, ride by that, ride by that parking lot on Sunday and look at all those fancy cars out there. And I thought, Well, we do have a lot of money here, don't we? <laughs> now nobody's condemning that. Nobody's condemning that. But I feel like these kind of passages hit home and they challenge us. Are we possessed by our possessions? Or are we holding everything, including our life, with an open hand before God? Everything. The question I have to ask myself in reading this and thinking about it is, can I point to a time in my life where I've humbled myself before God to that magnitude? Yeah. That's good. That's good. And, and that might even be, uh, in just a minute, we're going to kind of walk through some of the main points and then we're going to go 
to the action. What do we need to do? Maybe we do need to every now and then just take inventory, get, get before God and say, Lord, show me anything in my heart that you want to expose. And if there's anything I'm, I'm clinging to for security or for, for, for comfort, trust you, you know. I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this. I used to be the, one of those guys that said, well, I can't be a lover of money because I don't have any. You don't have to have money to be a lover of money. It can be the thing you, you live for, even if you don't have it, just always within that grasp, you know? So anyway, um, I think this widow lady is an example of someone that was willing to lay her whole life before God with her yes on the table. You ever heard of having your yes on the table? Lord, my yes is on the table. Whatever you want to do, I'm here. And that goes way beyond finances. Way beyond finances. But I think that that is a great illustration in this passage. All right, so let's go back. Now look at the very top. You see the teach. You got the picture of the sword. That's for say. That picture is a, is a, a sift to, to filter down. What's the main point? What do you think the main point of this passage is? Heart for God and faith. What else? Teaching? What would be the main point of the passage? What was he teaching? Yeah. And he was about to lay down his life for them. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be likely a sub point. But I think the main thing is, yeah, lay, lay everything down before God. Live for his kingdom. Um, I, I think at face value, we, I think it's okay to say that we're called to give to God out of love, not just duty. We're called, she was given out of her love for God. And, and it wasn't the, the value of her, or the monetary value of her gift. Um, I mean, and you, you, get, you can do sub points to kind of, you know, have something to teach and show, but there were, the other people gave out of abundance, and this widow gave out of all that she had. And she, we see an example of a person who was not possessed by their possessions. Because, you know, she didn't have to be wealthy to be a lover of money. She could have been clinging, this is all I have. I can't give this to God, it's all I have. Maybe if I, I keep it, I'll get a little bit more, and then I can give to God later. But that's not what she did. She wasn't possessed by her possessions. And I, I got this statement out of a commentary. Attitude is more important than action. Our actions flow out of our attitudes, right? Um, so what, what would be... now? Generally, this is going to be more in, in a small group setting where we know each other better and where we're more transparent with each other and where we want, we want to be held accountable by each other. Then we can come up with some very, very personal and specific uh, goals to set to obey what we have been challenged with. And so in a small setting, you might, you might have some very specific stuff to ask a, a, 
an accountability partner to help hold you accountable with or to pray for you this week about. Um, but I'll give you a couple of real basic action points and say, hey, I need you to pray for me about this and I need you to hold me accountable in this way. But here's some general stuff for you. Grant, kind of along what you said, we could spend time with God in prayer and ask Him to reveal our hearts to us. What's in my heart, God? Is it, am I more like the widow or less like her? What's in my heart? What's in my heart? And a question to ask yourself is, do you give out of routine and abundance? Do you trust the Lord with your possessions? Maybe a better thing to say is, do you recognize Everything you have belongs to God. We are only stewards of what God entrusts to us. Are we stewarding what He has entrusted to us well? It amazes me how God's blessings in my life can become idols. And it breaks my heart. When I take something that he meant and he, and he blessed me with and then put it above him. And I tell you this, I've learned this too by experience. He can take it back. <laughs> and he can give it to somebody that's going to do better with it. <laughs> I've experienced that too. <laughs> I keep reaching. If I could just get to this. If I could just get to this. Now I'm not saying that, you know, give you another caveat. We have to be so careful not to take one small passage about one particular thing and build our whole theology of giving on this one thing, right? There's several passages that speak to stewardship and speak to giving and speak to saving and even speak to enjoying what God has provided. But we don't want to use those to wiggle out of obeying this principle. Um, Matthew chapter 6. In verse 19, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, God, let our treasure be heaven. Let our, let our treasure be Jesus. Let our hope be eternity. You know, and, 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 and if, if we are blessed here, God, let us be good stewards of what you have blessed us with. Let us serve you with our, our homes and, and our vehicles. I, one thing, I don't want to embarrass her, but one thing I, I loved about my wife early, early on, she was a, a, not a, a wealthy college student by any means. She was an average, you know, college students aren't known by, usually by being very wealthy. And she had a, a, a little Saturn that she leased. And she told me God blessed her with that vehicle and she wanted to use it for him. So she would use it to give people rides to church. And she would use it to go visit widows and take them flowers. She saw that her car was something to steward. And I thought, man, I'm going to marry her. 
Lord, let us be good stewards of what you have entrusted us with. Um, I got one more passage about giving. Try to balance things out. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm, good. I'm glad to sit in Bible drill. It's taken me forever to find this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Um, now, Paul was taking up an offering to help some believers in Jerusalem, which, by the way, this is a whole other point, but I find it fascinating. Jerusalem would have been kind of that mother hub, that mother church, and now you see churches that were out from Jerusalem Generations down the road, if you will, from churches that have been started and started, actually taking up a collection to go back to. It wasn't just the mother church supporting the baby churches. It was the baby churches supporting the mother church as well. I find that fascinating how they were taking care of each other in that way. But it says in verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Lord, help us to be cheerful givers. Not to be possessed by our possessions, but to thoroughly enjoy being generous with what you have entrusted. And help us to be wise when we give. Help us to be wise. Good stewards. Good stewards. So, one more application for you, okay? Um, we have uh, usually twice a year um, a, min- a program here, a ministry here. It's called uh, Financial Peace University. Probably have heard of the name Dave Ramsey. And, and, and what he's teaching is the principle of stewardship. That our wealth is not ours, it's God's. And he entrusts us with it, so let's be good stewards. And he gives very practical principles of stewardship. And we have one coming up. Um, our next semester will begin in a few weeks. And there will, so I'm just going to use this as a commercial too. Um, if I didn't write it down, I apologize. So I got to look it up. But um, I'm going to give you the, the preview date. On August the 17th, there's going to be a, it's a, a preview class. They meet on, on uh, Wednesday nights in room 100 right over there by the kitchen. And maybe this is something that would be good for you. Maybe it's something that would be good for someone you know. But I have friends that have been very blessed by attending the, the Financial Peace University. It goes for a few months, meet on Wednesday nights during this time. So... That may be a very simple, practical next step for you. Saying, hey, I just want to learn more about stewardship and, and not being possessed by my possessions. Um, now, let's close out with prayer, okay? We won't take long. Um, just like we normally open up. Number one, I think we need to spend a little bit of time praising Jesus for the report. Brother Wade's been asking us to pray for, for months about what happened today. They finalized the adoption with little Bo. He finally got their last name. 
Anybody want to praise God for that and thank Jesus? Anybody want to do that prayer for us? All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. And thank you for Trey and, and uh, all he means to us here. Father, thank you that Bo uh, is now Bo Stevens. Amen. We thank you so much, Lord. It's been such a, a long, hard journey. I think it's like 1,200 and something days. And Father, but you were with them every, every day. And I, it's just what a blessing it is for Pastor Wade and Brandy and the boys. And Father, we just ask that you would continue to have your hand upon them, guide and direct them, and that you would be with all of our pastors and their families and continue to bless them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, so now, a lot of you guys know uh, Taylor Grace. He's uh, the guy that, that usually helps us with the evangelism team, one of the guys that, that has been very instrumental in our church, training people and taking them out in the harvest, sharing the gospel. Well, he and his family are now staying in the mission house. They're going to be selling their home, listening it this week. Um, and their hopes, as soon as they are fully funded, they're going to be, they're, they're fundraising themselves, support raising themselves. As soon as they're fully funded, they're moving to, we'll say, South Asia. So, uh, would someone pray for their provision for their family in this time of transition? I mean, with little bitty with children's, uh, and I've said children's on purpose, um, and and just that their home will sell, and you know that just God will bless them and use them. Anybody want to pray for Taylor and his family? All right, I didn't. Hear, thank you. Father, thank you for tonight, being with brothers and sisters and learning about how we can give sacrificially. Thank you for Jesus and his blood, the, the biggest sacrifice that we can ever ask for. Mm -hmm. We thank you for that. We pray that it is in our minds and our hearts, um, not only tonight, but throughout the rest of this week. God, thank you for Taylor and his wife, Hannah, and just their presence and friendship to my family and his discipling of me and pouring into me and teaching me that it's not just um, to read the word and to know it, but to also do it. Mm. And he is, has not only shown me that in the States, but he is now packing his family up and moving overseas um, as a way to please you and as a way to show his faith uh, in Jesus, God, that he's expanding the kingdom across the street and literally around the world. Um, so I'm very thankful for him. God, we pray that his house would sell in record time. God, we pray that his time in the mission house would be just the right amount of time, that your will be done, that the money is there. God, it is your money. Um, he is your creation, him and his family. God, I pray that you would prepare the hearts of the families that he will reach uh, with the gospel, that him and his family will reach with the gospel um, in South Asia. God, continue to bless them. God, be with their children as they disciple them daily. And I pray that there would, um, just against the uh, health issues that may come up with travel, God, I pray for travel, that you would just have your grace and your hand upon that. Again, thank you for this family. And I pray that because of this, because of the grace is going, that other people can see this as an opportunity to do the same uh, from Longview Point, to step out in faith and to expand your kingdom across the street and around the world. 
um, thank you um, for, for Taylor and Hannah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Ryan, will you take that to Frank? I'm going to get Frank to close us out with this. Um, y'all realize in a few weeks it's going to be August? <laughs> that is crazy to me. Is crazy to me. But August, we have schools starting back. We got a lot going on in our community. We got administrators that are hustling, bustling to get things going. We've got teachers that are getting back geared up. And, and we just need to be praying for our schools, praying for our community, praying for our families. And then after August comes September, it's my, one of my favorite things that we do at Longview Point. We have a Global Impact Conference. If you've not been to a Global Impact Conference, we're gonna, ours is going to kick off in mid-September. Please make plans to be there and hear what God is doing among the nations and, and be praying that we would be a blessing to the missionaries that come and that we would also be challenged by them and encouraged by what we hear and that God would even use that to raise up more folks, call, call us to go to the nations. So, Frank, would you close us in prayer just praying for the schools and praying for the GIC and just God to, to use our church? Father, we are indeed grateful for the privilege that we have together as your children, the uh, freedom that we have together without fear, and uh, Lord, we are reminded of those that uh, don't have those same freedoms and that gather even in the midst of potential persecution, and we pray that you would bless them in a very special way uh, as they continue to seek uh, spiritual growth and service to you and obedience to you. Lord, help us to have that same kind of obedience in the midst of our freedom. Oftentimes in freedom, we get spiritually lazy and we're not faithful to share the gospel and to serve and minister and make disciples, but we are just get real comfortable. So, Father, we ask for you to continually be at work in our lives, uh, that we would serve our schools well, that we would pray for them consistently, and that, Lord, you will be with each administrator, each teacher, each assistant, and uh, that you will reveal yourselves to them, those that are believers, that you will continue to grow them and strengthen them and give them a boldness uh, to speak the name of Jesus. For those that don't know you, Lord, uh, provide uh, someone that will give them a witness. We pray for our students, Lord, as they encounter uh, so many temptations, uh, so many uh, things that uh, might be contrary to a biblical worldview, whether it be in curriculum or whether it be from their peers. Uh, but we ask that you would protect our students from the evil one and that you would continue to be at work to draw them to yourself Help them to be faithful uh, and bold in their witness, those that are believers as well. As we prepare for our Global Impact Conference, uh, Father, we pray that each person that is coming uh, to share with us, that you would uh, continue to give them the things that uh, would challenge us, would encourage us, and uh, help us to grow uh, and have a spiritual experience during this time. Lord, I, I pray that uh, we would serve them well as, as well, uh, that we would not only take missions from the standpoint of 
uh, praying and giving and going, but also nurturing those whom you have sent, uh, serving them well and ministering to them as they have opportunity to uh, just be fed, to be encouraged, and to renew their strength as they prepare to re-enter the spiritual warfare that they will face in many of the places that they serve. So, Father, we're asking you to continue to do a mighty work in and through us here at Longview Point, uh, that we would be faithful servants, that we would continue to grow, and that we would be reminded that you are doing all the work and that you are faithful and we can trust you. And we pray it in the precious and strong name of Jesus. Amen.